0: I'm Alan Fairley, director and owner of ISL Recruitment. Our business is all about people, and ambitious tech businesses trust us to help them grow by finding them great talent. We're passionate about two things, helping startups and scale-ups grow, and learning from others. So we've created the Scale-Up Diaries to help share the best bits about people that we admire, helping the wider tech startup and scale-up community on their journey. Hi, my name's Alan Fairley. I'm here with Natalie Alpi today, co-founder and MD of Cookies HQ. So Natalie, welcome along. Hi. Really good to be uh, doing this in person, yeah. so taking advantage of the fact that we're both uh, Bristol-based. Um, so it'd be great to kick us off and, um, and just hear a bit more about you, your background and the background to Cookies HQ as well. So over to you.
1: Great, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm Natalie. I'm the co-founder and MD at Cookies HQ. Um, we're a software agency based in Bristol. I co-founded the business with my husband Nick in 2011. So that makes us 10 now. Um, and we it was originally just him and I um, working together, and now we grew organically over the last 10 years, and we're now a team of 16. So developers, obviously, as we would expect, back end, front end, but also project managers, a marketing person, testers, um, and yeah, and admin person. So it's, it's quite a big team, um, yeah. and that's basically who we are. We build software for scale ups and startups, and we help them grow from um, from the very start where there's basically nothing building the MVPs, and then. And then going with them along the way for a few years, and sometimes a bit longer than that, and helping them grow the business and their team um, up until they don't need us anymore.
0: <laughs> Must be some exciting, uh, exciting parts to to play in that. And I think that's definitely one of the reasons why I'm fascinating to hear more from you, because I think that you know over ten years, I guess you and Nick have got some really. Um, some important, uh, you, you followed a really interesting journey, I think, and so uncovering some of that would be really useful. But I think the, the fact that you play such a core kind of role in helping other businesses build and grow, I'm sure there's some fascinating stuff. To it's the that.
1: very interesting thing about them. It's just we, we start with them when they're very at the idea stage and it's helping them to design this idea and actually bring it to life is really exciting and then growing it again and again with iterations every year and seeing their team growing where they hire, you know, marketing and social media and they grow their team and we still help them on the technical side. Um, is really exciting and we, we partner with them in the sense that we really advise them on the technical side and make sure that whatever we're doing um, for their product and their software, which is often the, the very key the centrepiece of their business um, is aligned with their business objectives and we work together in that sense.
0: So and you're obviously, you're a tech business, you're helping other tech businesses as well. But you know, I know from the people that I talk to, there's no doubt that whatever the nature of business, but even within tech, that people are you know, such an important part of it
1: it is so important um obviously with for us as an agency people are everything um because they they build the products and they do everything for our clients so uh, we essentially sell time (laughs) yeah um and skills obviously but for us people are everything um and even for our clients it's and we we build small teams so our clients get to know our um our developers and they have this direct relationship with a lot of them and they this building trust over the months and years that we do the projects together and they get to and yeah I think you work better if you get to know people um, and also more on a not too personal side but you you need to trust and to understand and to communicate well together Um, so we try to for each project and each client we try to have a small team that will be dedicated to them it's bound to change at some point but um we always keep some someone in there who will will be the communication point but also leading that team make sure that it's all it's seamless for the client and it all works well
0: yeah and that's that's definitely gonna be a big part of i guess the success you've built over the 10 years is that you're working with some cool tech some cool companies but also you've got some really strong people at core um i know that one of the things that captured my attention was um from a couple of months back where you shared on linkedin about kind of i guess going from last year's survival mode to hopefully now more positive thrive albeit with challenges along the way you know thinking first and foremost about your existing team and you know, and obviously looking to to add on to that. So it'd be interesting to I think you talked to it on LinkedIn about project initiative and, and the process you went through. It'd be great to understand a bit more about that and kind of what had what had led you to that and what you've learned from it. Because I think there's some really interesting stuff to to share around that.
1: Yeah, more than happy to. Um I mean it all started with as an agency we you focus a lot on the clients, which is very normal because they bring in the money and that's your work every yeah. day. And it's really easy to get stuck in the day to day And just do the work and without looking at the bigger picture, even more so when, well, there's a global pandemic and you're trying to basically save the business. Um, And after a few months and things calmed down, I realised actually we hadn't been looking after our team well enough. And they were all happy. We checked in every day. And I think they were just, they were fine, but I felt like we could do more with them. We also had a few people leaving at that time and others joining. It was a bit... It wasn't as stable as we would have liked. Um, so we actually looked at the situation itself and like, okay, what can we do to make sure that the team is is well looked after and and feels also like they're supported. Um, so we went to them. Um, I set up a survey, as simple as that, um, to understand. And it was, um, they could do it anonymously. So they didn't have to give their names and they could say everything that they wanted. Um, so we sent a survey to understand how happy they were, how fulfilled they were, if they felt supported professionally, but also personally, because it's important when, you know, you have to stay home for months and sometimes you have a family and we wanted to be as flexible and support them, but sometimes you don't understand how much support you're actually providing, if it's mm-hmm. really useful to them. Um, and then um, what we could do more. So um, we just gave them as simple as, you know, a list of choice, you know, if you could, if we could give you all of this, what would be the most important for you. Um, It went from more holidays to uh, better pension contributions, to more time to learn, um, shares and cookies. Basically, there was a whole list. Um, They all answered the survey, and then we took the main points and implemented them. (laughs) Um, And we got all of them together, I think it was in June last year, to present what we are going to implement. as in, you know, we, we've asked, you've answered, and now we're listening and we're actually implementing what you want. The point being that they felt listened to and that they wanted to stay, because for us, as an agency, people are key and what we want them to do, obviously we understand that not everyone is going to stay f- with us for years and years and that's sure. completely normal, but you don't want them to just stay for a few months and then move on. You need to provide them with an environment that is productive and they feel happy with the time that they're with you. Um, So we implemented the changes Um, and I think the the most important one that they came back with was more time for learning and development, which I found was really interesting because it was nothing to do with the pay, nothing to do with more holidays or benefits as such, it was they just wanted a bit more breathing room in between projects. And it's something we knew already was a bit, not a big issue, but it had been brought up before. so that's what we're doing. We're now dedicating half a day a week for everyone to work on something that is not client related. So it could be researching something, could be um, going on a training course. It could be, I don't know, writing um, or or even building a small app or something, a small product if they want to learn a new tech um, individually. But also we're trying to encourage them to do it as small groups who sometimes yeah. might not get the chance to work together. Um, because, again, because we've got these small teams working on different clients, sometimes some people don't actually never get the chance to work together. So we're trying to get them to work together on different projects and something that is fulfilling. Um, and, and, yeah, and in the learning and developing, which is very important. I think when you're a courier, you need, to, especially in tech, you need to move quickly. And if you don't have the time during the week to do that, when are you ever going to get the time? Yeah,
0: um, and, I, and I guess it's probably... It'll really easy to to overlook that. So I think being able to obviously get that feedback from the team is a massive part of kind of um, informing you better on what they value. But I think also I've seen it with other businesses where we've gone quite quickly in some cases from being in that survival mode to suddenly actually... Things you know waking back up and people coming back into right I need to focus on building something and actually I was talking to someone last week who was saying the utilization of their staff was was touching hundred percent which is which is great when you're kind of recovering financially from last year but actually from a um, you know from a personal point of view and from the staff's point of view that can obviously create some real um, issues there around people just going too fast and not having that time to pause whether it's on the L d or whatever it may be
1: yeah it's it, you need to provide them time and it's fine for a short period of time and y- it's bound to happen from time to time to have a bit of a crunch or multiple projects all being delivered at once or and people understand that and they're fine with it as long as they can see an end to it and having a bit of time to rest after um so yeah they, they need a bit of breathing I and mean, you know if they can't take their half day one week then they'll take the following week yeah what we don't want them to do is wait too long and then not ever do it yeah um, but yeah, you need a bit of that time in between projects and it's it's a very fine balance when you're running the business between I want to book more time because we need people to be busy and, to <laughs> and for the money to come in. But also we need to make sure that we have enough buffer in between projects to allow them to rest and not jumping from one project to another too quickly.
0: Yeah. No, it's a fine balance to strike, I'm sure, and I think you've you've obviously done that predominantly because you want to retain your current team. And I think often when you know we obviously very much play in the hiring world, I think that that re- re- retention aspect is often overlooked as a way to solve some hiring challenges but I guess it can work the other way where what you're doing talking about it publicly can clearly help you as you look to attract new talent yep. and, and we were talking before we kind of kicked off recording about the value in in marketing and, and, and branding and getting your story out there and I'd be interested to kind of hear your reflections on actually from a, a marketing point of view and helping the wider world understand what you're trying to do which might not be for everybody but clearly hopefully has an appeal to a lot of good people what's um what's worked well for you and what your approach is been in that respect
1: so it's something we've worked on quite a lot recently because there's so we're trying to we've grown the team quite rapidly in the past couple of years um, and we're mainly hiring software developers and we only work with one tech which is Ruby on rails so that's it's quite niche and there's not that many of them out there Um, and then in especially in Bristol we have we're basically competing against product companies and for a software developer Working in an agency and working in the product company is, is something completely different. In a product company, you'll work on one thing, um, really good, really deep. And obviously sometimes, well, not sometimes, very often, product companies have a bigger budget because yeah. they've raised um, and they can afford to pay higher salaries. So obviously, as an employee, then it's more attractive. Now, an agency provides something different. It provides multiple products to work on and therefore you'll probably learn more. Um, but it also means that we sometimes have this bad reputation of getting people to jump constantly from project to project which is not the case at cookies because we try to most developers probably work on two maybe three projects each um and we have a lot more than that but we just make sure that they there is a continuation with everyone so they don't jump from project to project and also there's. It happens that we have a bit of you know oh can you fix this here can you fix that but most of the time they probably have weeks on end on the same projects and like multiple sprints rather than just days here and there and we book weeks rather than days as well so it's trying to overcome this problem of one we can't afford higher salaries because as an agency your profit margins aren't that big and we haven't raised millions. Um, And also this understanding of what it's really like to work at cookies, rather than maybe other agencies. Um, So we've had to work on the messaging, um, which is, you know what, you have proper ownership of your projects, you have responsibilities, you will, if you want to, and, and when you're comfortable to, then you'll be in direct contact with the client to understand what they really need and want from you, and you'll be able to give your input. It's not like we're just giving you tasks to do, you'll have the opportunity to actually advise the client on how you want the product to be built. Um, and that's really rewarding um, as, an, as a product developer. So there's a bit of that. And then something else happened during COVID is that one of our main um, attractions before COVID was that we were really flexible in yeah. terms of where you worked and how you worked. And because Nick and I have always had to be being married and we couldn't work in the same place constantly we've always had this very flexible way of working and obviously now everyone has it yeah and so we're not special anymore we're not unique anymore so we've had to redefine what actually makes us different when you want to hire and attract people
0: yeah, how's that been and, and how have you kind of uh hopefully you're, you're clear now on what, how you differentiate yourself in a pretty competitive space but how's that kind of journey evolved and how have you got to the point where you're now you're really clear that you're not for everybody but also you have an offering that is is different versus the you know the, the joneses and the rest of the people around the block
1: we went back to the people and said you know what do you enjoy about working at cookies because it's as directors you kind of see it but you you don't feel it, and also they don't tell you the same thing. So we just asked our head of marketing Emily to go to everyone and ask the questions. You know, what do you think about cookies? What do you enjoy about working here? And how do you find it? And all of that actually gives you material to then say, okay, this is what we're different, and this is what you like. And it was everything about you know being flexible and not having to worry if you have an appointment at half nine in the morning because you can just do your time and other or taking a longer lunch break if you're going running or whatever it is. or And the ownership of projects was really big in everything that they said. So yeah. li- again, listening to them to understand why they enjoyed um, and why they were staying with us. And you then in the messaging can use that to hopefully attract people who are who will want the same things. And it's not gonna be for everyone. And I think we're at peace with that. But um, it's quite attractive for quite still a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it's an often overlooked thing, I think, when if I'm talking to founders about their hiring, then they may um they may put a, a job on a website or put a post on there. But actually often when they struggle to bring their story and their environment to life, I think simply talking to your existing team, you know, whether there's two of you or, or fifteen of you, is a really brilliant way to capture the the real, the authentic story. And yeah. of course there needs to be a little bit of marketing slant put on it. But actually if the starting point is, well this is why we've attracted people previously, this is why our people stay with us. I think you, you get a really good story to tell externally, but I think you, as you've obviously done and reacted to, you can then understand you get a value from your current team as well. You know, it's not just for external benefit. It's obviously from your current team. Um, I'm curious with just jumping back into the project initiative stuff where you kind of captured what do you want more of and what do you want us to to do to support you? So, um, you know, we're not perfect at ISL, but I definitely... I have the intent always of going out there and capturing feedback but one of the lines i use rightly or wrongly is that everybody has a voice not a vote to try and strike that balance between i want your feedback and your opinion but it's not necessarily a democracy where if everybody voted for this we would automatically do it there needs to be consideration so obviously some of the things the lnd time i can see and, and i love the idea of that um there's other things that have got a more explicit financial cost like improved salaries or pension contributions so how did you strike that balance between okay you want all these things but there's a there's a reality here that there's a business and that has to have certain metrics around it how did you balance those two and and sort of make sure you were you were communicating that in the right way with the team
1: so first we never promised anything okay I think it's the first thing we sent out the survey and I kind of knew what I wanted out of it um and obviously getting their feedback on a lot of different points was one thing and I knew I wanted to implement some changes but I never promised that I would implement anything to start with yeah um So there was no expectations and no one to disappoint at the end. And then when we got the result back, we just looked at the figures and looked at what we could actually afford and what we couldn't afford and what made sense and what didn't make sense. Um, And also in terms of timing. So there was um, the time for learning and development, which takes a bit of time to implement because of the way the client work is organised, but that is feasible. Um, They also wanted more holidays, for example, what we did there is instead of giving everyone more holidays, uh, we're now giving after you... So you do your first two years, you have 25 days. And after two years, then you earn more days yeah. every year. It kind of incentivizes you staying for at least two years, which is for us our sweet spot, because when you've been with us for two years, that's why we we train you and we give you a lot of time to get you to the point where, you know you work in a certain way and also you have the skills and everything so the first two years are critical after that then you earn more holidays so it's kind of incentivized that um the pension contributions is something that i kind of was close to my heart because i do want more people putting money away yeah. aside for their yeah, the pension and it's really important and it's also a very easy thing for us to do it was literally just saying to the accountant can we please put that up the numbers were fine yeah and we did it so it didn't take any time at all and there was another one which we haven't done yet and might do next year was personal coaching okay. uh, and professional coaching. And actually that would be a bit more expensive and also take a bit more time. So we needed, I kind of parked it um, and we'll revisit it a bit later. So it's just finding the balance um, yeah. and the salaries were mentioned. Um, and that was a big point because we kind of knew the, the market has changed dramatically mm. in the last few years especially on uh, for software developers more than other roles. And we knew that some of the people in the team um, were not really quite at market level just because they joined us a while ago. Yeah. And it, even with the expected pay rises every year, they weren't quite where they should have been. And we needed a way to address it. So the way we've done it is we actually built a salary grid looking at the market and what we could afford and now we have a clear salary of each role and seniority level. And this is the bracket of salary they can expect. It's also helping with recruitment, because yeah. now we know exactly what we can and can't afford. And there's no trying to be, oh, maybe you're worth a bit more, maybe you're worth a bit less. It's just, this is it. It's between this bracket and this bracket for this level. Um, so it's really helping. And that, and after that, we brought everyone to level. So not everyone got a big pay rise some got something a bit more substantial than others. But now I'm confident that they're all treated fairly yeah. and equally. And I think it was really important for me to get there. And also after that, you just do the numbers. Um, obviously, we had a tough year with COVID, but before that we had nine very profitable years. Yeah. So we had a bit of money in the bank and we, I wanted to use that to invest in the team. I think it was more, we knew we were going to spend it and there's a good chance that we're going to eat on the profit for this year. But that's fine. I see it as an investment rather than just spending money. And it's, it's really worth it because, I mean, people leave. Equipment's really expensive as well, so... Yeah. It's all worth it in the end. Well,
0: and I think that, um, you know, I talk to a lot of founders that are looking to raise investment and so they're looking at budgets and, you know, raising a million pounds or two million pounds and where they're going to spend it. And, and almost, you know, or, or every single company you talk to, of course, has a budget for recruitment. I think very few would actually kind of um, put a pot of money, whether it's, you know, a, a pound or a hundred thousand pounds for retention um, and explicitly market it. So, but it sounds like that's probably, whether you've done it in that way or not, that's probably where you've got to, where there's a real value here in investing in retaining our staff. Yeah making sure that we are um, solving some of our future hiring needs but also getting people that the part where they're really valuable for the business and making sure we're still adding value to them at that point whether it's either more holiday the financial award or whether it's the L&D time and yeah. I think um there's uh, there's a a TED talk I've seen I think it's uh, Daniel Pinker talks about the surprising truth about what motivates people and he talks about three things from memory which is autonomy, mastery and purpose and it sounds like you talked about the ownership earlier on which clearly ties into the autonomy the mastery I guess is a big part of the L&D side of things the, the purpose I'm curious of where you're obviously working with um some clients really closely and in partnership with them. Um but then you obviously have your own identity as a business as well. Yeah. Um and so how does that play into giving people a sense of purpose and meaning because from how I see it, that's that's always been important, but it's one of those trends that's really been accelerated by pandemic and people perhaps valuing the impact and meaning of what they're doing more so than the extra pound here or there um i just wondered how you've kind of how you've thought about that aspect of what you do and linking into what you do for your you know really strong relationships
1: it's helping them grow i think helping everyone to grow in the team in yeah. different ways so if you're a junior person obviously your way to grow is to learn more skills and uh, and basically go up the ranks and go to mid level and then senior and having a clear idea of what will be next for you, as in, this is what we're expecting for you as a junior. Um, If you want to go to mid-level, then you need to add this and this and this and this. And with the rest of the team, we'll get you there. And it's supporting them to to learn the skills and to grow in that way. If you're already a senior, um, then the growth goes into mentoring for us and actually getting that little bit of, it's not just Helping someone else is having this reward and fulfilment of you're helping, you know, someone who's a few years younger than you to actually grow on that skills and get to the levels where you are, um, and it's giving them the time to do that in the in the right way, uh, whether it's, it's pairing, whether however it is done, um, and that's where the coaching will go as well at some point. Um, so yeah, it's it's making sure that they can grow in their own way, and we can support them and actually. When they leave cookies, ideally I really want them to say, you know what, I, I got into cookies and I was at this level and I you know, I knew how to do this and not much more and actually I leave, you know, a couple of years later or three years later and I've learned so much more and I can I can actually go get a job that is, you know, paid twice the same amount and something like that is just help making sure that they time with us is valuable and they've learned something and they didn't just do a job. Yeah. They actually found it interesting, and they enjoyed it, and and they learned something.
0: No, I think that's really important, definitely. As I, I that's really important for me personally, but as I see it, really important to a lot of the workforce now is that um, clear the days of of people typically staying with one employer for life, uh, you know, long gone, and and actually, you know, so recognizing that. Every leaves one day whether it's your choice their choice or something in between but actually being able to see that you've improved them on their own personal journey and of course that's got to tie into the journey of you and your business yep. but actually it's something that they can say personally they've, they've seen some value from that and I think the, the learning side of things whether it's uh, in the, the startup world or more broadly is a really important part um I'm interested to dive a bit more into um some of your personal reflections. So so ten years in business, so congratulations on getting <laughs> to that milestone. I know it's not easy. Um so and you're obviously in a uh, not a unique situation, but a new situation where your business partner is also your partner outside of work. Um we talked earlier on actually about um roles and responsibilities. And so I was interested where a lot of the time I work with founders at early stage and some of them get that right early on. And some of them really struggle to work out who's going to do what, what they're good at, what they enjoy. So um, it sounds like you've probably clearly at 10 years on, you've got to a point where it's nailed. But it also that you've got that focus from, from early doors. And I just wondered, how has that been to balance the roles and responsibilities between what you do and, and what Nick does?
1: It's It took a while, especially being married as well, because you, it's it affects your personal life as well. Sure. Um, And to some extent, it was harder for me than it was for Nick. Nick is a software developer by trade. um, And we actually, we all just built on this freelance business. So he was freelancing and then got too much work basically. And we decided to um, to do some work together so I could help him on the project management side um, and on the marketing side, because that's where my skills are. Um, So he was always the tech guy. um, And that's always still the case. He's also the salesperson because he loves talking about what he does and he loves talking to people and he's really good actually selling his technical skills um, so that stayed with him and it's still true today he does sales and the technical bits and then I kind of had to find my place with him around it as a freelance he was used to doing everything himself yeah. and I think that's probably well uh, it took a bit of time as well for me to say no you know what I can do this so I started more as a project manager and doing a little bit of marketing on the side. And then I got pregnant with our first child and we had to hire a project manager to cover for me. And she's still with us today, um, so seven years on. So she's she did the project manage- management. And when, she, when I came back from maternity leave, I had to redefine my role again because she was doing a lot of the project management. I was like, okay, so what do I do now? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it grew rapidly. I think the main thing is to understand your skills and your strengths and understand if you have a co-founder especially understand the other person's skills and strengths and there's no point fighting there's just a list of things to be divided between you two and making sure that you come together somewhere so that you can discuss and you're really clear so now I as the business has grown a bit bigger um, I now look at all of the financials um, the scheduling of projects um, and I do a bit of client partner role for some clients Um, so yeah it is it's grown and it's evolved and still evolving today because my aim is now to not be involved in the day-to-day anymore and hire more middle management so I can actually focus on the strategy of the business rather than the actual day-to-day work with the clients and that again takes a bit more time um, same with the client partner role we have a client partner but it's only one and we have too many clients so we probably need to hire a second one at some point so Nick and I kind of fill in the gaps as you do when you're a yep. business owner and something needs to be done you just do it um, but that's how we evolve the team and then as we, you know, when you have two client partners then we can focus more on the actual business because when you get to a certain size you just can't do both anymore, yeah. the day to day and working in the business and on the business it becomes too much to try and do both
0: yeah no i think uh, i definitely uh, yeah that resonates with me and and, uh, and you know my business partner henry and i we probably all too late sat down and looked at our roles and responsibilities and i think that really helped realizing that we were we were overlapping in too many areas perhaps creating a bit of confusion but also overlooking some key areas that you then realize you need to plug the gaps in but i think it's a really valuable exercise to go through even if it feels quite formal sometimes to actually kind of sit down and put some structure around it
1: yeah and I mean having an advisor also helps because we brought in an advise, a business advisor a couple of years ago yeah um, and she really helped as well to just be that neutral third person as in you know well you do this but who's looking after that and who's looking after that um, and actually that's where you make the decision okay I'll do this that's fine or actually if no one nobody actually enjoys doing this then you need to hire someone to do it as simple as that you only need to find what you enjoy doing and what you don't enjoy yeah. doing
0: actually thinking about it I was, uh, was prompted by a conversation with someone externally giving us advisor or working in that sort of advisor role so which which sparks another question um, so you know I know that um, I'm really grateful for you sharing what you're doing now and that will help others and I know that when I've bumped into Nick he's been doing the same and talking at Southwest Founders and other events like that um, how do you make sure you understand what's going on in that wider world and you know not having to solve every problem yourself but looking at what other businesses are doing well and how you can learn from their success and, and perhaps their mistakes to avoid making them myself,
1: it's a lot of reading listening to podcasts and something that I've been doing a lot more in the past couple of years probably that I wasn't doing much before Um, and also finding groups where you can talk to people who are going the same thing so we've joined recently um, an organization called agency hackers and I find it really invaluable because if just being able to talk to someone or listen to presentation you're like yeah actually I've I've done this I've gone through this and you've solved it one day one way and it kind of gives you ideas and way a way forward rather than feeling like you're stuck sometimes to solve a problem and reaching out to someone who's maybe has got a business for a few years longer than you have and will maybe have something to say or an idea yeah just discussing it discussing it.
0: Yeah, we, uh, we work with textile startups across the UK. So I'm sure it's the case in a lot of places, but I really see that in Bristol in that there's there's so much more of a community here over the last few years and people have, have gone through that journey more often so they're really willing to help and share. And I think what I've really enjoyed about it is um, I've got a really strong recruitment network and that serves me well, but also then broadening that out into your modern day sort of butcher, baker, candlestick maker, you know, learning as much from a tech founder as I would do from a recruitment founder. Ultimately, we've all got the same problems around people and sales and cash and marketing but some quite refreshing perspectives sometimes that you can get by stepping outside of your comfort zone and understanding how others have have approached a similar problem yeah sure um so so looking to the future then um i'm curious to understand uh what the future looks like for cookies but also from a, a people and hiring point of view um We've all gone through a bit of a journey over the last eighteen months, and no one really knows what the future is going to look like. But maybe just touching on kind of how you see it affecting both what you're doing at Cookies, but also more broadly, kind of that future of work and, and what you think will be more important to people in the future. So, yeah, tell me about what the future holds for, for Cookies and how that's likely to play out.
1: Um, it's a tricky one. Hopefully, we'll grow. <laughs> we can't stop now. Um, we're on this trajectory, and we need to finish it. Um, it's hiring is always is still for us a Not only should, but it's it's still difficult Um, and we're trying to find ways to go around it. So software developers in particular, not so much the other roles, it's it's a bit easier. Software developers, when you work with only one technology, is a bit tricky. Mm. Um, So we've explored different avenues with Nick, you know, whether it's should we actually do other technologies so we could have different skills. But I think the route we're going to go down is... um, is trying to set up a more formal training program for junior developers, okay. so because we we can 't find senior or even mid level developers that we can afford at the moment because there 's just too much competition um, we will try and set up a a training in house where we will hire one or two junior developers at a time and make sure that they 're paired uh, with a senior developers developer already in our team who 's been there for a while who know's exactly. How we work and what we want to do and what you want to achieve and then t- giving them the time for a few months to actually just shadow someone and okay. be trained um and hopefully they stay with us after that yeah it's a bit of a gamble because you never know but i think it's it's a way forward and you know when you've got a problem then you need to find a way to solve it yeah. so i don't know if it's the right solution then we'll try that um and then in terms of what we can offer i think we'll carry on with being really flexible and you know everyone has a personal life and we can't expect everyone to just be about work it, it, it's not like that and it's not for, like that for me or nick i mean we have children we need yeah. to pick them up from school and we need to bring them places and you know if we are being flexible with our own time as in you know i need to nip out for 20 minutes to do the school run then we need to allow everyone in the team to be able to do the same or Someone's doing to go, you know, finish a bit earlier to do a house viewing or someone needs to, I don't know, work from their parents' house for a week. As long as, I think the, the only two things that we need from our team is one, you, you're you actually working, you're dedicated to working and you're in a productive environment and you have a stable internet connection. Yeah. That's all we need. Sure. If they have both of those things, then they can work from anywhere. I mean, we had a couple, two, three years ago now, um... One of our senior dev went to um, a Ruby conference in Kenya and worked from there for, I think, a couple of weeks because he was basically just working through the day and then going out on the weekend and going discovering and travelling. Brilliant. And he did that for a few weeks and it worked fine. Um, there was no problem at all. He just had an internet connection, his laptop with him, and off he went. And it, it's it was good for him as well because he was still getting paid to do some work, but he had all of his free time being in a different country and able to travel. Yeah. So, yeah, being really flexible and allowing people to have a personal life on the side um, and also continuing with, you know, we work normal office hours. We're not expecting anyone to work evenings or weekends. Um, we've never done it. I think if it happened maybe three times in 10 years that we had to keep someone in the evening to yeah. push something, um, is the maximum. It's, it's something that never happens. Nick does sometimes, but... It's different because again you're the business owner yeah. and that's what you do um, so all of that and yeah and i think being quite a good friendly team that everyone is welcome into, anyone feels comfortable with and they they really work well together we have a really good core team they enjoy being together and they have fun and i think i want to keep that i think you need to have fun when you go to work you can't yeah. be a drag in the morning
0: No, I agree. Yeah, I've definitely spoken to a few people that are building businesses and and saying, and obviously some people will have a very clear end goal in mind, but, um, you know, and and obviously people approach it in different ways. But I know from a personal point of view, the the destination is important, but it's also about the journey along the way and actually, you know, enjoying coming to work, enjoying the people you work with. And, you know, that's clearly going to be the same people that you've got at the moment and the people you hope to hire in the future. if i'd be interested actually so so 10 years of building a business and i'm sure there's some things that have gone really well from the hiring point of view and some things that you've had to kind of learn any um you know for other people that are looking to build something and know that people are going to be a big part of their success any any tips or or particular things that you perhaps wish you'd uh looked at or focused on a little bit sooner
1: don't hire too quickly okay um it's something we've done before and regretted every time because we needed someone immediately and hired the wrong person and at the end of the day it, it's worse than if you hadn't hired them in the first yeah. place. So hiring too quickly um, is something we've seen before. And also finding the right skills and not going too cheap. So it is one thing to hire juniors and it's fine for example for us because we know we have a team around them to train them and to look after them and we make sure that we don't have too many juniors at once because then we can't look after them properly and we can't train them properly. But if you're a startup and you're just starting a team, hiring juniors, I know they're cheaper, but it's probably not the right choice um, because you won't have the structure around them to help them um, and to get them where you really want them to do. So it's going to be a lot of pressure for them to deliver something that they can't quite deliver yet. And it's going to be a bit of a headache for you because you're you're going to be stuck with something that is not quite what you want. Um, So sometimes actually paying a bit more for someone who is more experienced uh, and will be able to solve more problems for you uh, is the way to go and it's tricky when you're on budget but it's often the very the right choice
0: yeah i think you're right can be a bit of a false economy sometimes and i think that although we're fortunately we're in a position where for the companies we work with they're hiring at a pretty similar rate to what they were two years ago and actually in many cases there's increased demand I think that junior level is probably an area that hasn't come back quite so quickly. And, I, and I, my perception is that for the companies that are now working remotely or more virtually, is it's even more difficult, I think, unless you've got a process that works well to support those junior staff yeah. in the environment where you're not seeing them all the time, And you want to trust the people you're working with. But of course, it's perhaps rightly or wrongly easy to trust someone that's got a bit more experience or that you can be a bit clearer in terms of expectations of impacts to begin with. Um, Like you say, you've, you've got the foundations of a great business there. You've got the resources to be able to help support and onboard those people. I've definitely had conversations with more junior staff who've been thrown at the deep end without that support. And Maybe they've learned a little bit along the way, um, maybe about how to be wiser next time on the choice of startup they join, but they they clearly, you know, they haven't progressed as they would have liked to if they had that right support and infrastructure around them.
1: And it's really hard to actually understand exactly what you're getting into. And I think in both ways, I mean, there's, you know, coding is coding, but there's, there's so much that you need to know and until you actually put your hands in there, um, you don't know what you're going to be thrown against. And it's just... Yeah, making sure that the skills align and when we recruit we always have a pairing session to try and assess the skills and not so much because to understand whether you're good enough or not, it's more to understand where you are in terms of skills so then when we hire you can be supported in the right way Um, and if you're more junior then you'll need more time and we need to make sure that that is going to happen then you know if you've got a bit more skills then you're fine. And yeah, being in the office is a big difference and we're now trying to encourage everyone in the team, especially the more junior people, to be in the office a bit more regularly because it's easier to bounce ideas around. It's easier to just say, Oh, you know, I'm a bit stuck with this, or what do you think about this? The little conversations in between that you wouldn't have because you wouldn't just disturb someone for a meeting mm. or or say, Can I can you help me again? It's it's the little conversations in the middle that are really valuable. And that i think we we miss and we're now trying to bring back as the the office is a bit more a bit more normal than it used to be
0: yeah makes me think of the first 10 years of my career i was i was smoking 10 plus cigarettes a day and actually it was those cigarette breaks the bits that weren't scheduled that were unplanned where i probably learnt as much as i did from the more scheduled and planned stuff and i think in an environment of scheduled zoom calls etc it's difficult to sometimes fill in the gaps where actually the real kind of insight is given um for sure so brilliant i've really enjoyed the chance to talk to you today i'm really grateful for kind of sharing um anything else around the people and hiring and for those that are looking to build anything else you think is kind of key to people to to think about as they look to the future and, and hiring the best talent for their business
1: taking the time and looking for the right skills and and sometimes having the help you know whether it's a recruitment agency or talking to other people around it to see what you actually need um with We've worked with, we now work with our clients, and when they need to hire their own team, we'll help them uh, to hire the right people, and yeah. we'll do the interviews with them. And I think that support from someone else, if you're not, if you yourself don't understand the skills as much, and if you've hired an agency before, there's a good chance that you didn't have the skills in a house mm-hmm. to start with. Having that support is essential, so you know exactly how to do it, and yeah, consultancy and anything, basically trying to find the help and support that you need from someone else. There's no... Shame in it at all. It's really valuable, and if you have to pay for it, then it's money well spent. Yeah, and I
0: think it's the same in many aspects, of business isn't it? It's if if you're not confident in it, then look to others who've travelled that journey or can offer you the support. And you need to choose carefully where you get your support from. But there's there's a clear opportunity there to to move further and faster by getting Absolutely. that boost. Yeah. So no, brilliant. Thanks once again. Really grateful for you uh, if you're coming in for doing this in person, and uh, and look forward to uh, yeah sharing this with others so they can learn from your your experience over the last ten years and beyond. Thanks for having me. Cheers.